Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the word of a king is, there is power. We may say unto him, What doest thou? And today, in the word of the king, uh, my brother Jay Wolfgang is going to bring forth a message to you, straight from the infallible, inerrant, perfect, preserved word of God. Uh, I pray now, may the incredible seed of the word of God, which lives in Nevada forever, by the power of the Holy Spirit, minister to your soul. Lord Jesus, it's that time again where, Lord, we must ask you, Lord Jesus, to reach down and touch, Lord Jesus, and to bless your word, Lord, as we now begin the third part of a series, Lord, that you've asked us to preach on the life of Abraham, Lord. We ask you now, Lord, that you would just touch and bless. Help me to preach, Lord, as if it may be my last time, because it very well may be the very last time. Lord, we ask you to help those who are listening, to listen as though it may be their last time, because it very well may be their last time. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, Tim, believe it or not, tonight we're going to read two different settings of text. But the first one, you're going to read the whole chapter for us tonight. We read it the last time on part two, but we're coming back to it because we need to go into this for a special purpose, kind of go over a little ground, because there's a comparative scripture as we ended the last part that we need to compare in to tonight. So with the comparative chapter, we'll be reading a little later in this episode tonight, but the first one I want you to read the whole chapter will be, so as you open your leaves, we're going to go into our theme song again by Carrie Underwood. But I want you to get your leaves ready to Genesis chapter 14, which we'll be reading the whole chapter from verse 1 to the end of the chapter of Genesis chapter 14. As we go into our theme song by Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. Didn't even have time to cry She was so 
As we get into our third part tonight on the Word of the King, Tim, we want you to take a, just go read the whole chapter, Genesis chapter 14. Joy, battle with 
Something for the favorite preachers of the church clubs to think about. They love this text. <laughs> and I say church clubs, and Dr. Broadbottom, or, uh, Dr. Broadbottom and Pastor Big Bucks. They love this text because they love the text part here where it says, Abraham give tithes of all. But unfortunately, I got some questions when you read this text. I want you to ask some important questions. Question number one, and Tim, as part of this, I want you to help read this out loud. Where did Abram meet Melchizedek, where did they actually meet? Where does it say they met? Uh, according to this, according to the Word of God, it says here, let's go back to verse 17, meet 
the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Jerusalem, and of the kings were with him, the valley of Sheba. Sheba. Okay. Sheba, and it's spelled with an S. Now, go back a few verses before when Abram was first told of the capture of his brother Lot, and where does it say Abram lived? He dwelt in the plain of? No, memory. Oh, memory, memory. That's spelled with an M. <laughs> Two different places, may I say. Now, for those uh, students of Pastor Big Bucks, and Professor Broadbottom, I find a problem here. Tim, would you please show me the verse in this text of Scripture that says Abraham sent one of his servants back to memory to get a tenth of what he owned back at memory. Uh, chapter and verse, please. In Genesis chapter 14, where does it say he sent anybody back to memory? it yet? Same with Abraham sent his servant back. Didn't say it, did it? No. No, he did not. So for the students of Dr. Pastor Big Bucks and for the students of Professor Broadbottom over at Baylor University who worship Baal, uh, sorry, he did not send one of his servants back to memory. Now, how do I know this to be true? Now it's time for our comparative scripture that would tell you where, what Abraham truly gave a tenth of. The scripture tells us very clearly what he gave a tenth of. Ten. Now let's go look at a whole nother context of scripture. One whole chapter. And it's a favorite chapter of Pastor Brad Bottom, uh, Pastor Big Bucks, and 
Professor Broadbottom. They like to preach on tithing, but let's see what it says. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's look at the whole chapter. And let's see what it says. <clears throat> Go ahead and read the whole thing. Hebrews chapter 7. Okay. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Also, Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness. After that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, and for whom even patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of spoils. Verily, they that are of the sons of Levi receive the office. Priesthood, the commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he used descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham, blessed and had the promises. Without all contradiction, the less and blessed the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness. And as I may so say, Levi also, who received a tithe, paid tithes in Abraham. He was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Therefore, perfection provided the Levitical priesthood, for under the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, and not be called after the order of Aaron? Priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity, change also the law. For he of whom these things were spoken, pertained to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance to be honored. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. It is yet far more evident that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest. It is made, not after the law, but call a commandment, after the power of an endless life. Free testifies without a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. But fairly this is not the commandment going before the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. The law made nothing perfect, but the end of a better root did, under which we draw nigh to God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. Those priests were made without an oath. This with an oath by him said unto him, Lord, swear and will not repent. I were a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. They truly were men priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. This man, because he had continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the 
was like trees. Talk of sacrifices. First for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, but he offered up himself. All the men high priest had infirmity. The word of Yoda, since the law, made it the son who was consecrated forevermore. Amen. Now, now notice something unique here. Notice something very, very unique. It says here that it says something very unique here. It says there's two laws that were mentioned in this text. There is the law of the priesthood that was changed. Oh, no one has a problem with that. The changing of the law from Aaron, the Levitical priesthood to Jesus, who was under Judah... No one has a problem with that. And they have no problem with the changing of the law from the Levitical law to the law of grace. But you notice there was one specific law that was brought up in Hebrews chapter 7. Isn't it interesting that specifically the writer of Hebrews in chapter 7 specifically mentions offerings, tithes and offerings. But you, oh, those from the school of Dr. Broadbottom and and, uh, the school of uh, Pastor Big Bucks, they'll use this to preach tithing. But Tim... The answer was to the question was right here in this text. Who, or I should say, what did Abraham tithe from? If he did not get it from, if he didn't get it from the sending somebody back to memory, where did he get the tithe from? Verse 4 of the spoils. Uh, there's where he got it. He didn't get it from sending someone back home. He got it only from, go read your Old Testament law, preachers, the increase. Over and over again, it said, from the increase, the increase, the increase, as God hath prospered you, the increase. But you'll hear these preachers say, Before you pay your rent, before you pay your utilities, before you pay anything off the top, you got to pay 10%. So if you got $1,000 coming in, you have to pay $100, and it doesn't matter if your utility bills and everything else comes up to $900. And then you have to cough up another $300 for food. Too bad. So sad, Charlie. If you end up in a cardboard box, we're not going to worry about you. Uh, You pay that $100. Oh, yeah. And what's even worse is, if there's a rich guy, 
who owns a business, he get, he could write off a lot of that stuff as business expenses to end up with a less tithe bill while the guy who is poor can say, oh, well, I, it, you know, I can't pay that even though he had no increase. I see a problem with that. But what did God say? One last text as we close out for this week's episode. Tim, I want you to take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Or actually, 1 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Let's see what the New Testament law really was on giving. But as touching the ministry of the saints, it is for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, which I boast of you, them of Macedonia, that Kyle was ready a year ago. Here's you up to vote very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain. This behalf, that as I said, you may be ready. Let's happily lay up Macedonia, come with me, find you unprepared. We, if we say not ye, should be ashamed of this same confident boast. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren, they would go before unto you and make beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before. Same might be right as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. This I say, he was so sparingly shall reap all sparingly. He was so found, he shall reap all sparingly. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loved a cheerful giver. God, able to make all great bounds toward you, that ye, Always in all sufficiency in all things, make abound to every good work. Now, notice what it says there at the end. See, originally he started out, who was this for? Was this to pay the church bill? Pay the church's light bills? No, it's to minister to the saints. These were poor saints in Jerusalem who are suffering at the hands of the Romans, etc. And Paul said, we're coming through to your little group, your local assembly, and collecting necessary items to take to those who are in need, the poor saints. Not for the preacher to line his pockets, and not to line the pockets of... To, to pay some church bill, a light bill or whatever. No, it was to help somebody who is in need. And he said, you go down and it says, as a man purposes, as he wants to, remember the poor widow, what was her motive? Jesus was standing by the treasury, all the rich people was given in because of the, all their, their riches, but she, because of her want, she put in those two pennies. And all she had. So forget all that she had, but the motive she wanted to. 
not because she was forced to, because of some law. She did it because she wanted to. And he says, as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give, not of necessity, not grudgingly, meaning that he's going to regret it later, that he, he pays that $100 and then realizes later he's going to go hungry or without his rent or his utilities or his heat, not grudgingly, not of necessity, meaning that he's been threatened that he's going to be on God's 10 most wanted list on a billboard in heaven because he didn't pay the church bill, the church club bill, his 10%. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Meaning, if you're not going to be cheerful about it, keep your money in your pocket. That's what God just said. I didn't print it. I preach it. I didn't, I didn't write it. Tim just read it. And if you don't believe it, open your King James or read it for yourself. Amen. And so, thus concludes our third part of the life of Abraham, Jesus Take the Wheel. And we'll pick up in our next episode in Genesis chapter 15 next time. Oh, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for cursed. Be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians. Oh, but here it is. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, mortal, sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.